actually been in season one season two and season three it's pretty right. fucking awesome when you rewatch what the if what if everybody what if will has telekinetic powers and he's no, gonna will un- has un- the powers of vecna he's gonna go into the upside down uh, by choice this time and he's gonna fuck him up how is he by accident i don't think Samuel on purpose because he's got vecna inside him he's got vecna oh, inside him he's saying. got if he has the bad he's got the good Will will be Vecna 2.0. Yeah. Uh, this is a lot. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to a new and exciting season of Three and a Half Gentlemen. Usually we're the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of moves from our private collections while one of us tries desperately to keep up. But before we dive into our f- season four of our regularly scheduled podcast, we decided to bring you a few off-brand reviews of some of our favorite things premiering in 2022. Don't worry, we'll still let you decide which host is a half. So please sit back and relax and join me and my most excellent co-host, Jeremiah. I love you, Eddie. Eddie? Yo. I'm Vetner. And Brandon. I don't even understand that, Ed. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm just excited that Paul Reiser's back. <laughs> God. <Yeah. I'm> <laughs> Fresh off our review of Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi, we decided that we wanted to review the latest entry of our television show, which premiered back in, uh, I don't know, way long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This means that the host will be traveling into the in-between for the next few weeks as we bring you the review of Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1, and Volume Deuce. Just like normal, we're going to answer the core question of our podcast, which is, how many drinks does it take to get through the episode we've just watched? Well, with each of our episodes, uh, we are going to give individual scores, and at the end of the season, we will combine those scores and divide them to give us an overall idea of how we see this season. We'll still rate the episode based on the scale of zero to five. <laughs> zero being a perfect episode that you can watch Stone Cold Sober. And five being the sort of episode that makes you want to, uh, I don't know. How about that? Uh, makes you want to fly up and float up and actually have your bones break and your eyes sucked out of your fucking skull? Yeah, that's yeah, a good that, one. That, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Anyways, Brandon. Brandon, take us to uh, episode three. Yeah, the third episode, which is entitled Monster and the Superhero. All right, the third episode, entitled The Monster and the Superhero, sees Eleven reconnect with Dr. Owens, and Vecna is expanding his plot to overtake the Earth, and Max descends into the world of the Upside Down through reoccurring dreams and visions just like the other victims. Ooh. Do you guys think that this the first part of this uh, episode kind of had like a E.T. vibe with the helicopter? No, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, that's what it is. Yep. Fuck. Is Good that job. with Dr. Owens? Right? That's yeah. with Dr. No, Owens, right? No, it's just Richard Dreyfus. Like asleep. Richard Dreyfus and uh, Alien. Yes, Eddie. Yes, yes Eddie. Eddie. You're yeah. absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Jeez. God, Brandon, get with it. Anyway, uh, one of the things I, I that stood out to me is that this was directed by Sean Levy, who I think is really one of the the good directors now. Um, but what it does is. This to me was that turning point episode where we had the one and two building up. And uh, we talked about it last episode that for me, at least um, when we have the Victor Creel moment uh, and when we have the Hopper moment, kind of it, it starts falling into place. And then when finally 11 bashes the girl in the head, it really starts the ball rolling. And then episode three takes it and just starts literally running with it. And uh, I think that this episode is so important and so well done. Um, and what it does is it, it gives us that other dimension that we've been missing for really uh, at least season three. And that is the connection that Eleven has with her facility. Um, and so I think that we do need to talk about Owens. We need to talk about Brenner and we need to talk about Eleven kind of reassuming her role as the supernatural wonderkind. What I like about this is that this is the episode we're still kind of on the fence with Eleven. We don't know if she is a monster. We don't know if she's going to be a hero or anything like that. We just know that... Does she have her powers? Does she yeah. have her powers anymore? Is she going to be like, you know, like Jean Grey, like the Phoenix, you know? Is she going to be meant to be this evil <laughs> fucking thing in the end of the season? So it has kind of like that whole like, oh shit, shit's going to be about to go down. Sean, what do you think? 
So I thought that uh, it was, you know, you joked earlier in the episode about being a Scooby-Doo episode, but it kind of it is. It's, it's a bunch of people investigating what happened in the past to see what's going to happen in the future. And that I don't think we've had that really before now. We haven't really, we haven't really delved into the idea that not only is the upside down something that is relatively new, but you know the we we always took it the creatures were created and going after the town of hawkins just because they were going after will just because now we're starting to get the idea that there's something grander behind it that there's something pushing the story forward and i thought that was wonderful i thought you know the the introduction of the creole house i was like you know they're just using a scary house to use a scary house but fuck no they, they they're not didn't they give they're you goosebumps the vibe as a cornerstone it did, mm. it, but it ga- it gave you this idea of a cornerstone for the whole the whole series and the whole the a whole season. In that you have the Creel family as the reason shit went down, and you don't really yeah. know why. But now you at least have like this story is going to answer questions, and to me, that's my favorite p- part of a uh, part of any season when you actually get answers. The problem with Lost is that they never gave you a payoff. This sets up the payoff. Yeah. And you know you're going to get it, something. It does. Yeah, I agree with you. Because you get Robin and Nancy kind of going, digging through what the library, right? And they're digging up demons like, of like the Hawkins past. And you realize, oh, Hawkins has a lot of other history besides this past, what, eight years or, you know, six years. So it makes you think. I also like the, they're building this, it's like this weird friendship between them that it makes you laugh. That just like Steve Harrington is in the middle of that without even knowing that he's in the middle of that. He just doesn't uh, want to babysit you. Robin. Yeah. Steve's Robin's in the middle like, of every oh, relationship. Yeah, I'm not with, I'm not with, I don't like Steve. I don't like Steve, you know, and, and Nancy's like, I didn't ask. Uh, and then you get Murray and Joyce, they fly to Alaska looking for Hopper, possibly on this goose hunt. So what, one of the things that I want to kind of focus on with, with, um, uh, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm blanking on her name. They went to the library. Robin, Nancy, Robin, Robin and Nancy. Robin and Nancy is you have this idea that Nancy has finally found a place in the series, and I think that's yes. kind of super important because she never really had. She never fit. She was always the older sister. She was now she's like the investigative reporter. She is getting deep into. Uh, into the stories, and she's the, smart too. She she says good, right? Like she can come right, up right, right. Yeah. And but the fact that she is like driven, and this is part of who she is. It's not just placating her her brother anymore. She's actually an integral part to like uncovering the truth, and well, I think and, that's really cool. And we also see this even more later on in the in the in the season where Nancy uh, straight up becomes the badass of all badasses. I mean, I know we're getting ahead of it, but. I mean, she's she's walking around with a sawed-off shotgun, just saying "fuck everybody," uh, and I think that that is it's really true that she has found her place. But not only her, I think everybody in this season, this episode, I think does it is that it sets. We, I talked last episode about kind of the chess metaphor. All of these pawns have been set, and now they're starting to kind of work their way through the story. Um, and and I think that um, as as Gandalf as Gandalf said in the Battle of uh, Battle of Pelennor Fields, the board is set, the pieces are moving. <laughs> Amen. No one, no one, no one. No, sorry, that no, was good. <laughs> sorry, too soon. But Nancy's always been kind of tough. Actually, she's always been mm-hmm. the 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 rock in a lot of ways. You know, in season two. She was the one that was actually, you know, using the gun where, like, you know, Jonathan was kind of just, like, you know, cowering behind her and shit like that, you know? What I'm saying is is that you get finally get that kind of re-induction. Like, yeah, Nancy does have a place in regards to this. Nancy is a force to be reckoned in a lot of ways, you know? And I really like that, you know, she really handled herself as taking the lead of the Scooby gang in so many ways, you know? Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, it's not just Steve. Steve has, like the the uh the muscle but nancy's actually has some brains behind her her actions she's always been the smart one and this has been this is my criticism of this season is that the way that will has portrayed the their group if you want to call it their group including steve including nancy is that is that is that mike has been the leader and my argument is mike has never been the leader mike has always been the voice of encouragement and inspiration but never has he he's the fucking actually heart. led the charge and he's the heart he's dude. the heart right yeah. right 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 
So uh, that that brings up one Dustin of is the leader. Yeah, in a lot of ways. No, that brings up something that I I felt throughout this entire season that uh, I mentioned this in the first episode that we did here, but the balance of all these different characters or characters in the storylines to me is beautiful. They give perfect balance to them all. All the characters are interesting. Um I would argue and I want to see what you guys think that the Will 11 and Mike storyline and Jonathan and Argyle is by far the weakest. Like if we're going to say that they're all set on pinnacles, to me I when it's when it flashed over to their storyline, I was kind of like, I don't really care. Get back to the others, whether it be going to Russia or whether it be going in in Hawkins. I disagree. I always thought the rush the Russian story was kind of like the weak link of of all of the stories. I think it carried on too long. There's, th- there's three storylines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's about three storylines. There's one in Russia, one in California, one in Hawkins, Hawkins right. right? Give or take. And then in, in Hawkins, there's more that's happening. There's Eddie. There's Dustin, there's Lucas. You have a lot of stuff going on. There's Matt's. So there, I think maybe that's where you're getting at. Yeah. It, when you go to California with Argyle and Jonathan, you almost the, the main thing over there is like, is, does L have her powers back? Come on, come on, L. Exactly. Like, get, let's go. Like you almost wait. It's just like, what's going to happen? Who's going to activate this chip again to have Terminator come back to life? Yeah. Right. So it's. It's it. There's this delay. There's this waiting game in California. I get with you what you're saying, Brandon. It's like there's it's it's almost like a little bit boring right now exactly. in California. Right. It doesn't stay that way. But even it, in it Russia is at this and, moment. and I was gonna say, yeah. at right this yeah. moment it might be, but not, I think the Russia is certainly the slowest. I'm and, living in the moment. Uh, least least effective. <laughs> uh, least effective. Uh, uh, you, have to uh, be true. you you get no, the beginning. It, of, that's the very beginning. It's of a the good storyline. Story it just goes on too long. I think. And I, we'll get to that when we get to that episode. Right. Yeah. It does. Well, and, and my question, and I, I don't mean to jump jump all around Go here, for it. but my question is this: You've got you've you basically you've got the California crew who in this episode starts chasing after L, starts going and trying to find L. Then you've got the L's in trouble, right? Then you've got the uh, Hawkins crew, who half of them are trying to find out Vinka's story, and then half of them seem to be just kind of hanging around Eddie and making sure that Eddie's okay. And that that that's where Max is starting to realize that she is, you know, she's she's the next victim. And I think, I, sorry, I think she starts to realize that early on that she's having the same type of, of, of symptoms. problem symptoms. And then she, she is going to go and, and talk to the counselor or look at the counselor's files and find out that, Oh fuck, I'm not alone. That these people are also having the same, the same symptoms and they're already dead. I'm next. So is that, is that the question? That con that counselor, bro, let's talk about her. She is she sketchy or what? I always thought she was going to be connected with Vecna. Uh, she's Maybe just a shitty, she's a shitty counselor from a high school. She's just she's just shitty at her work. She's shitty. <laughs> she's just shit at her work. Then I think she serves him <laughs> up. Hey guys, let me ask you a question. I, I I think this is the first time in this chapter that you see there's a connection with Eleven and Vecna. And when she goes back to her room, she's all sulking. She kind of thinks about this trauma of the past that she's trying to like you know keeps experiencing you see it connecting to Vecna in a lot of ways like he's being reborn or something I don't know if you guys caught that but it was kind of weird and was really also cool what Vecna was doing it had like this whole Professor X type of vibe where he's like using like this weird what do you call it Sabrebo or what do you call it where he's finding his victims of like you know like finding everyone out there who's actually having issues or trauma and whatnot and I thought that was like fuck this is like he's going to another hunting. level. Exactly. Like yeah. he's totally fucking yeah. people's minds. Yeah. yeah. What'd you guys think of that? So uh, I thought, I thought the, well, first of all, the care, the development of Vecna has been really cool because not only does he have the ability to just like, like lift you up and, and break your body and kill your eyes, but he also has this grand plan and this starts, it starts to develop. I know later we learn that he's like obsessed with spiders, black widows, particularly, and that, you know, um, he's kind of like a, a string puller and he's starting to pull all of his strings into his web. Like he's controlling a lot and you get this, you, you even got this idea before you got it all explained to you that he's kind of the mastermind. Like he's behind a lot of this shit and you're the finally starting to, right. You're, you're finally starting to understand that. And the places that he's killing these people is strategic. He killed, Chrissy and created a gate 
purposefully there. And I, one of the best lines of this episode is Steve turns and goes, should we be here? Like, should we be sitting here? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because like the two deaths actually happened right next to the trailer park. And he's like, yo, should we just kind of not be here and shit? Which was pretty fucking great. So one one of the things that um, I'm, I'm trying to think of is this episode or really getting into episode four. So if I jump the gun, shoot me um, or hit me with a skate. But I thought it was good. But at the same time, eh, is that for me, when Elle is, is going through her training or her rebirth thing again of That's her the next mental health. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about that. Not yet. So this, this, yeah. Yeah, this episode has the great scene out. where they're at the diner. Yeah, and she's she's talking to Dr. Owens and yes. Dr. Owens is is explaining to Two her options. your friends yeah. in Hawkins are at risk and you're going to feel the need to go save them, but the best way for you to save them is to save us all. In this episode you don't down the road, I think you you do learn more of his yeah. uh his uh, what he wants to do for L. I think you start seeing the connection of he he's actually becomes a really good guy of like he's doing this he, I mean, he was retired. He, he came out of this to really help L and, and the crew a little bit. Uh, I mean, and you see Sullivan. Sullivan's this guy who's pretty much hunting L as this is the this is the person that's caused this. This actually is rated out of eight. This is actually rated higher than the one and two episode. This is at oh, 8. let me just tell you. I, I think you have, better. The, the reason is because of the ending. When you guys kind of get like you know uh, an idea, like okay, Max is going to be the next victim. Max is going to be hunted down. Vecna has yeah. their, well, has his sights on Max, and you have three three wonderful scenes that we 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 haven't really talked about. The first scene is Mike and Eleven before they go, and Mike confronts her about not using the word love, but saying you're you're my superhero. You are. It doesn't matter if you have your powers. Like you're the strong one. You're the one who is supposed to be. You know, L confronts Mike about not using the word love because yeah, yeah, yeah. L wants sorry, yeah. sorry, but but they have their conversation and and he has that beautiful, you know, be- couple of beautiful lines about her and about how strong she is and about how she's the superhero and it creates the dichotomy between her being this superhero and then Vecna being the monster and that's it, it kind of it's to me this this episode really sets up the rest of the season and if you were to. If you were to say, you know, it's like the small stones that starts the avalanche. And once the avalanche starts, it just never stops. Like from here on out, the the, the series just doesn't stop. But I like that vibe there. It's like, you no, know, it's good, yeah. we, we don't know if she is the monster. She keeps mentioning, like, what if I'm not the hero? What if I'm like the villain? What if I'm the monster? See, you that's, know, and that's the I like the fact part. that we're kind of in the same. Yeah. And I think I, I like that vibe where it's like we're in the same boat right there. Kind of wondering, like. Is she going to go right. to the dark side in a lot of ways, you know, and shit. But and then you have Lucas coming full circle and kind of ditching I his, love that. I love his that. basketball team and, and rejoining his friends, especially rejoining Max at the time of her need, you know, and, and later they're looking for Eddie. Yeah, they're looking for Eddie. And right. Lucas, sorry, I jumped on, on but you also get uh, the teammate Patrick. I think it's the teammate Patrick. That's the first time you see someone else besides you, you get the idea it's Matt's, but it's just like, oh, wait, there's another person that all of a sudden has these. Right. Having this I, symptoms and I think he, he dies. Does he not die in this episode? Not, no, not, no not he yet, doesn't no. die till like episode five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. He's got, yeah. He has a, he has a clock on him. And so you all, uh, Lucas is one of my favorite characters, not only because of his, his growth from season one, but this season particularly, I think that he was trying to hug the line between retaining his friends and moving on where everyone else was like, I'm not going to move on at all. I'm just going to live in my little Dungeons and Dragons hole, but then realize that the group he had fallen in with is shit that, you know, Jason, it's, it's is, not the same. It, it, it's not the same. It's not going to feel what she, it's not going to feel what he's trying. He's looking for. Not right, it's not his friendship. It's not his friend. And it wasn't until different. it wasn't until they were beating up that band, and then somebody said Henderson, Dustin Henderson, and he goes, "Okay, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to give you a false lead, and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Like I'm, I'm." Because well, they yeah. end up they end up going to Dustin's house, and then he knows how to get into Dustin's house the best way. You know, right. he, he hops through the window, and he was able to give him a little heads up a little bit before uh, they found out that he was in there. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think we need to talk a little bit about Hopper. I've got a question. 
Uh, it might be a stupid question, but I'm just sitting there going like, what is the purpose of mangling his fucking ankles? Is it to break his bones so that the the chains can slip off? Because honestly, the dude doesn't hobble. He doesn't walk with a limp. Um, and by the end of the season, he's running full speed at a Demogorgon. Spoiler alert. So what did you guys think of that? So it's, it's, I think it was to to facilitate his escape. Well, yes. Um, I think that I think that once again the Russian story was a little long in the tooth. I yeah, think I, that I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's it, you know, just fucking get him already. I mean, yeah, get him out yes. of there. We don't need the get him out and then they go back and then they come out. It's like Dimitri's cool. Dimitri's okay. I could have done with less Dimitri. It's just this. Th- this wait, was the wait, weak wait, part. Which one's Dimitri again? Dimitri's the, 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 the hot soldier. Oh yeah, the hot guard. The the traitor. No, the one that becomes a traitor. That's the one. No, wait. That's the guy from the Game of Thrones, right? You know, the man that has no face. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh well. Look at that, yo! Look at that. I I do like uh, how Dimitri uh, develops into someone else. You know, in, down the road. But this first episode of Dimitri is just like he he's almost like a little ass of like hey well i'm trying to get forty thousand dollars if i deliver this either way if you survive or de- die i don't really care i'm just trying to get forty thousand dollars and hopper's breaking his ankles to just test if he can get out of the the chains not even right so it's just like i, I thought the same thing it's like bro how can you still walk you're like busting your ankles at your how is this possible and you, and you slip it back <laughs> on and you keep walking and doing your daily and job they tug on it and i'm like weird yeah. I, I I thought that was yeah. I'm with Sean on this one. Like I'm, a, I was kind of like, let's get back to the Hawkins story. Let's get back to California. Like I get it, you're there. I get it. You were filming a different movie, and we needed, we needed, we needed to need you to, you know. <laughs> I I you were filming fucking Black Widow. <laughs> I you know I enjoyed I enjoyed the Russian storyline here. It wasn't until we got to episode six or seven, and it was the same story over and over. Um, that I'd agree that we kind of lost it, but um, I do think it's it's good to show. And I said this a couple of uh, episodes ago too. It's good to show that Hopper's gone through legitimate hell. Um, I don't think it serves yeah. the sh- the episode or serves the storyline to go as in depth as they do. Um, and I think that that's the problem with this storyline is it just goes too long. You know. Yeah. I think the last part of the episode saves this chapter actually, and I think it has it, to it do. It does. You know, of like well. Hopper's not coming back. So how's this going to happen? How's, how's, how's this? How, everyone's just like, it's, it leaves everyone on the fence of like, well, is Hopper even going to be able to come back? Because he's in Russia, right? And all this is going down. So it does, I like, I, I do, I did like how it's not so quickly. Everyone's saying it needs to be fast, but it's like, I don't, it, it would have been cliche for him to get out too quickly. No, but what I remember seeing like in the posters when they first announced a Stranger Things, volume one and volume two is that they had like a poster and they had four different ways, like four different uh, 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 pictures of people walking to the gate. And when I was watching this episode, I'm like, okay, something's going to be connected here where they're all going to be going to the gate or something like that, where it's either going to be on that side or this side. And I thought that's where his story is going to be. I never, I never thought he was going to go to Hawkins. I was like, okay, this is going to happen something over here. Part part of what makes this show great is that the story takes you in unexpected places. It you just never fucking know where they're gonna go, and I think that's that's what that's what this episode kind of it it did it it, it developed the story. It continued on all the different threads, but other than the major reveal, which it was, I, I know we've we've seen the show, so it's not you know we've seen it all the way through. This was a major fucking reveal that Max was the next victim, like. That was a huge emotional moment that I think we lo- we lose because we've seen the rest of the episode and and next episode is so emotional so yeah no you're right with that dude that shit was scary you're just like when Vecna comes out he's like next and I'm like oh fuck and then she sees the clock and that clock in the hallway in the school I mean that is some creepy shit and I know that you have a clock in your house uh, uh, Sean <laughs> uh, that Sean shit does. is fucking scary Sean you gotta ever watch out on that shit man Four I'm just o'clock. saying yo. and that brings us to the end of review now it's time to podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale eddie provide the scale please yes zero the perfect episode you don't need shit to enjoy it one to fill your first cocktail two a happy buzz three you're gonna uber lift it home 
Four, rough morning to watch a shame. Five, blackout shit face spring raid drunk. Gentlemen, let's start with Sean. Uh, I think this uh, episode went a little uh, down from the first two. I think it was slightly slower paced. I think that um, other than the major reveal that Max is the uh, next victim, it was kind of a learning episode. And I think that it focused a lot on the jocks and a lot on the search for Eddie. And it's like, I don't know. There's something about that whole storyline that bothered me a little bit. I loved Lucas coming home. I loved that he ditched his new friends for his old friends. Um, I love Dustin so much. And, and I think that the way that he, he can put a story together and, and the way that they use his character is so brilliant. Um, so I, I'm going to give this episode a, a one. I think it's, I think it's really, really good, but at the same time, I, I don't think it, 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 uh, it, it makes it up to, to, to episode one and episode two. Eddie, go ahead. Uh, I think you're being nice still. I think you're, I think you're piggybacking off of <laughs> Brandon. Uh, I Shut think up, you're ben. piggybacking off of the other first two episodes. I'm, I'm complimented you, bro. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, Love you. I feel like you're still uh, – so the first two episodes, uh, you're, you jump off this high vibe of like, oh, crap, oh, crap. And then this is a bit – it gets kind of slow, realistically. It does get slow. Uh, I I like the story in Russia better than the story in California, but overall it's still slow. It's like every time you go – it's just you're waiting for the story to go back to Hawkins as much as possible because that's where all the hotness is at going on. I don't know if hotness is a good word. But deep into season one, as I one of the Holmes old OG's characters, you start feeling a, a connection to Matt's a little bit like, oh, you better fucking better not kill off Matt's. But I do think it was slow until that pretty much the end of like you some high points here and there. But overall, it, it, there's no this is I think this is the, the out of all the whole series, this is probably the least uh favorite episode i like it's a good episode if you see us it's another piece to the whole pie but it's not the main piece it's not a delicious piece and i'm gonna give this a, a two point a two point two um listen i'm gonna reserve a lot of my um explanation uh for later in the season uh that we talk about but uh you're right this this episode definitely was a learning episode. It was a necessary episode. It was an episode that gave us the information that we need to have to move forward. Um, episode, I think it's seven and episode nine do the same thing, except what they do is they just are so much longer that they just fulfill on that information. Okay. Um, is it as exciting? No. Calm before the storm. Yeah, That's what this is. It really is, right? Um, I think that we talked about it, but there were some great moments, right? The library scene was, was to me, it was a beautiful moment. I love when any, we're going to see this next uh, episode, but when any characters go and do research in, in films and TV shows, I, to me, it just, it hits my heart. Uh, and so seeing them do that and to learn with the characters is a really, really important thing and i think that it's done really really well in this show and we'll talk about that more in, in episode four too so kind of like halloween how we do that in halloween Take my time okay not you anyway i'm just gonna go ahead and drop it off right here this was definitely a 0.5 for me it went back to what i kind of felt like was the was the uh this the feeling and vibe that i got from the first episode which was i liked it i loved it i would say i absolutely loved it but there were flaws um i can't promise that there's going to be any numbers uh from me in the coming episodes. So we'll find out about that. Jer, what do you have? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, when you look, when you look at this chapter, it's, uh, if you look at, it's almost like kind of like looking at an album. It's, it's a deep track, you know I mean? It's yeah. like, it's not your favorite episode or anything, but it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good between song between the song that you love and the song that you really can't wait to hear and shit like that. And this is what that episode is. I think you do get a lot of information that you need to get to that next point, which I really enjoy the things that, you know, you're seeing, I think I got the ET reference because they're in California. And I think that, you know, a lot of ways, 11, it feels like an alien, you know, out of place and whatnot. And I think that's kind of like a cool vibe. Uh, I like the story in California, you know, I'm not really too much about the Russian story and everything like that with Hopper, but it fits what we need to get to the next level on the next chapter and so on. Uh, and I think the end of this episode with Max being kind of like, you know, the next prey from Vecna, it scares you. You're like, oh shit, you know, is it going to happen or not? And you see like this kind of symbol of the clock and it just makes you question everything. You're like, fuck, where is this going to go now? So 
Um, it's not, you know, the greatest episode ever, but it's not the worst. So for me, it's a, it's a one point. No, it's actually a one drink. I actually had a good time with this one. So this is a one drink for me, guys. All right, uh, Eddie, when you uh, take those scores, you can uh, combine them and divide by four. What does episode three get an average rating of? Uh, thank you, Brandon. You're amazing, always. Uh, it's a 1.175. Uh, and Jeremiah, so we've got basically episode one, Still two, and three in list. Really good. It goes in order. <laughs> chapter one is the, the number one. Chapter two is number two. And chapter three is number three. All because of Eddie, actually. All right. Yeah. But well, it looks pretty uh, good, man. Uh, <laughs> 1.175. You guys are scoring really low here, guys. It's a still fucking amazing average, show. Yeah. I mean, it's still... It's, it's a good show, bro. God. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, it's uh, a 1.1. It's where it's supposed to be, yeah. realistically, right? That's a pretty good spot real. for it, yeah. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> It fits, it fits. Ah, if you enjoyed our review, a fan of the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening. Give us a five star review on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website, gentlemanpodcast.com, or if you want to, you can reach out by email at hosts with an S H O S T S at the gentleman podcast.com. We will be uh, joining you for my personal favorite episode, Dear Billy, uh, which is coming up number four. That's coming I think up it's next. A lot of amazing favorites, actually. It's amazing. Turning up that hill. <laughs> so, Jeremy, what happened? What happened to your mic, yo? Last last episode. You know when you're in IT and they, someone goes, "Hey, my shit's not working," and they go, "Hey, can you go to the back of your computer? There's a button there. Can you push oh, you mean that?" Like the on button. Yeah. Oh, it works now. Yeah. yeah. You mean like the exactly on button? Happened. Yeah, it's exactly what happened, guys. No, Ed, you did that. Yeah, no, I, I, just forgot, I, forgot, I forgot to turn it on. Well, you That's sound exactly good, really, really good now. And you had to run up that damn hill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, Brandon, tell us, about, so the, uh, tell us about the episode. Well, tonight we're going to be jumping into the fourth episode entitled Dear Billy. In this episode, Is that uh, right, Brandon? we focused on Max as she deals with her inevitable fall to Vecna as well as the truth behind the Creel house and what happened all those years ago back in the 50s. Back in the 50s. Back in the 50s. So uh, is anyone else – I mean, uh, to me, this was like the turning point. I, I, I thought this season was going to be great. I'm watching the episodes. They're getting better and better. And then all of a sudden, this episode came, and I was like – it reminded me of – of lost season three when charlie was doing his goodbye like memories because he knew he was gonna die and i felt like it was yeah it, it was that type of like emotional connection payoff for everything jeremiah i would also like throw it out there like from the lost standpoint that uh, season finale of season three which it was a game changer regarding to them doing a flash forward. This episode was a game changer for Stranger Things. I mean, hands down, I would say it's the best episode of the season and probably one of the best episodes of the series. Hands down, dude. No, I'm, I'm going to be a little sacrilegious. And I know that uh, you guys all watched the season before I did. And so I was playing catch up and texting you guys throughout. And all I could think of was like, they better not fucking kill Max. Um, but you guys obviously loved four and you guys kept telling me it's the best episode of the season. Best episode. I'm going to go ahead and, and go all in on. No, I don't think it's the best episode of the season, but I do think that it is the beginning of literally a, a brand new transcendent part of this, of this entire series. And I hope that they keep this momentum going into season five. You know, I think that this is one of those episodes at the end of the uh, season that you think of like scenes and this is in the top three this whole yes. like there's a scene in here obviously right this is in the top three of like okay things you remember there's something in from this episode that makes you like yeah i'm gonna remember that scene for a long time and it's a turning point for also matt's like matt's has always been that sidekick and she finally got a deserving part of this whole uh stranger things franchise she became a star right there yeah. She's always been talented, but now she, they finally, like, we got to see it. Yeah. But in the pantheon of, of TV shows, if you look out there in, in the grand scheme of television shows, I think that Kate Bush's song and her escaping, I mean, I'm skipping to the end of the, end of the episode, way. but her escaping, looking at her friends, I think that scene, that those moments are some of the most iconic moments, not in this show, but I'm talking about iconic moments throughout all of television history it's 
it's one of those those scenes that resonate with audiences that you'll remember, I think, years and years and years from now. Um, uh, you know, similar yeah, to the, the pilot, yeah. the pilot of Lost. I mean, there's just so there's some things that stick with you if you're a TV fan. This is one of those yeah, moments. I agree, and this has like the power of like memories. It has a, it has a really weight to it. With it brings you back to reality, and there's that strong line of reality that just you 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 never realize you need it, and it just so many people was able to uh, feel this episode uh, like on a different level because they feel like connected to it with like little areas, but Brandon. Yeah. No, okay. No, I was just going to say, I, Eddie, I think you hit it right on the, on the, on the head right there because it is as an entire episode, I think it has its, it's good and it's bad parts. I mean, what I'm saying is episode seven, episode nine to me are, are better than episode four, but you're right. This, along with some of the episodes or some of the scenes, I would say in episode nine, uh, are definitely they're they're at the top of of all movie and TV. And I'm, I'm including movies in that because I I don't think I've felt so wrapped up in a character as I was with Max. And I'll be honest, I couldn't give a shit about Max last season, right? And I don't think a whole lot of people did, right? But when we see her and we're rooting for her, what what I think about this is that the pop culture. It stays with you. Yes. This is one of those pop culture moments that we're going to remember. Like Sean said, like 10 years from now, where were you when you were seeing that scene with Max running, trying to survive, you know, that last gasp of life right there? I mean, you're just like, yeah, I know exactly where, where I was at that time. Yeah. And it is. It's part of pop culture history now for the rest of our lives when you think about and, it. And I will say this. I think it's made better by the reveal of Vecna in a couple episodes uh, and the re- the reveal of the Creole house in this in this season where you really do learn a deeper appreciation of the Creole house. Then all of a sudden you realize it's tied to the greater story. Then you realize it's tied not just to this season, but to all seasons. And the whole premise of the show is built on one character. And the reveal, it just kind of keeps keeps unlayering itself. And I would say that there's a couple reveals in TV history that have been wonderful. I think the reveal uh, that the old lady uh, killed Joffrey Baratheon in Game of Thrones was pretty badass. Like, there's been those moments, right? When Arya, you know, oh, sorry, spoiler for those people who haven't God, watched Damn it, Game I'm still watching it. <laughs> you guys, you think he's going right, to stay king forever? I am dick, so man. fucking happy that yeah, Joffrey yeah. died, though. God, and bro, it's an old lady. So like, that makes so much toy. sense. I'm sorry. This show, this show has been it's up here for 10 fucking years, Brandon. Come on. Bro, he was a dick. And by the way, there's a show called Jon Snow coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the same... Same thing, Bruce Willis being being dead in in Sixth Sense. I would even go ahead and say the village, uh, you know, the realization that that Adrian Brody is, you know, is the the monster, and that it's all they're they're part of the bigger world. Um, these type of revelations, you know, I, I always go back to the original. I think aha moment, not maybe not the original, but one of the biggest ones was Planet of the Apes. When mm. you realize that, oh my God, they were on Earth the whole time. I thought you were going with psycho. Know, time has shifted. Mm. Uh, yes, same concept. But these realizations are such a pleasure; they stick with you. And I think that this episode is made better by seven and by nine. So I, I do agree yeah. with you, Brandon, yeah. that seven and nine are also great yeah. episodes. But this episode carries the like. It's like the first. It's like the first wave, Jeremiah. Yes, I was about to say like you know we're talking about the last 15 minutes of this episode but i honestly think that this was a very very strong episode that actually like you guys are saying it changed the way how we're looking at stranger things going forward on this and i like to start from the beginning when you actually go to the asylum and you have that kind of like um that whole Sons of the Lambs vibe when you go into Bro, it was, was yeah, it not the yeah, same yeah, place i feel like it was the same place was <laughs> it looked like the same place well but i mean it was, that's it, was the, fucking, it definitely had the feel it was fucking amazing to actually bring Robert England. I mean, that was the most genius casting. Let's get the guy who did Freddy Cougar and make him Badass. Victor Krill. Badass, you know what yes. I'm saying? Like, it's just fucking yeah, great right it, there. Well, and let's let's put it into some context before we really get in there. At this point, uh, you know, uh, Eddie's uncle was saying that Victor Creel was the killer. 
He's in an insane asylum for being the killer. You think they're going to he, see? He got out. He got out. He had to get out. Yeah. Right. You're Michael going Myers. to see. You know, you've got two characters. You got um, Nancy and Robin, and they're going in. They're they're bribing their way. They're cajoling their way past the guards in to go see this guy, thinking that he is the answer. And the reality is, is that he's just the tip of a new storyline. I think that's what's so exciting. Yeah. Eddie, I know you have something to say. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, like, going back a little bit to Matt, it was able to see she she had so much guilt and and grief that, I mean, Sadie, Sadie Saint, right? Sadie, Sadie She Saint. was able to really, yeah, Sadie. I said Sadie. It's always Sadie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was able to really, like, deliver such a good, uh, like, she, she, I, I believe that, like, so much grief and guilt that Matt was displaying and that she was holding on to. You almost got the feeling, I don't think it showed it yet, but you got the feeling that she was so relieved that Billy did die, but she was really guilty that she felt this way. And it was the first idea of, like, okay, well, Vet, Vetner or Vetner, Vecna, he, Vecna. he likes trouble. Yeah, he, he gets troubled teenagers, and he, he's able to twist her mind like Freddy Cougar. Like Freddy Cougar. But uh, let's say we talked about Nancy and Robin and their chemistry with each other bro like i like yes. that chemistry there so like legitimately i i don't i know it's cliche i know it's a trope i know it's been done to death but for whatever reason one of my favorite things in any kind of movies or tv shows is when characters go undercover and it's like this comedy of errors and they just i like <laughs> i think back to ace ventura when he goes into the insane asylum like to me that's literally one of the best things in any show i laugh my ass off every time which is stupid but at the same time it was a great kind of levity and, and relaxing quality to a really fucking heavy episode. And, and I know we're kind of jumping back between Max and the and the girls, but I want to go back to Max real quick and say, you know, we're going to talk about it. But the letters that she writes and this idea, like I put myself in her place and this idea of saying goodbye to my friends and family and, and doing it through letters. I mean, that's fucking heavy. So when we have this moment of kind of just heavy, you know, lightheartedness and jokingness, and you know that they're in trouble, but they're, they're going to get out of it because it's only episode four of nine. At the same time, we need that. And I think that it's such a great balance. See, and, and I don't. I don't necessarily agree with you, Brandon, that, that they're going to get out of it. I think that Max is the perfect character to put in peril from a producer standpoint. No, 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 no. You I'm saying Robin and Nancy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But putting put, putting Max in peril is so unique because, yeah, she's not an OG. She is very capable of dying. You, you could absolutely see them killing her off because they killed off Billy. Every season and, someone dies. Right. You, you've kind Every of, season yeah. someone dies. There is but, one thing. It's kind of popular, man. Yeah. But they, but they wouldn't. They here's here was my thought though is that they wouldn't have killed her off if they killed Billy off because they wouldn't want to to do that to the mom. Like to me, that was a weird way of saying I don't think that Max is going to do that because I don't think that they would be that hardcore. And I know that maybe I'm reading too far into it, but I'm like they wouldn't kill off both of her children. Um, now, granted, we're going to talk about things in season or in episode nine, but you know, there. Yeah. But let's also let's also take a minute to respect the fact that this show did something that n- not a lot of other shows do, and that is give a character time to grieve over the loss of someone else. Like uh, I, this is this is my criticism: is in shows that the characters get over it too fast, right? Yep. She lost oh, yeah. the only yeah. person that was important to her. Which, yeah, he was an asshole. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. But he was still her brother. And I think that's what this show is about. You hit the nail on the head. Um, this episode is about, Brandon, is that she was happy he died, but also devastated and, 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 and you know, it was tragic. And you can feel two things Ed. at the same time. It's okay. <laughs> Eddie, go ahead. No, I was, I was saying that's exactly how I was feel. I, I like that vibe. You go in there. The Duffer Brothers does a tremendously job of there's so many characters right now. It feels like it's almost packed with characters. It's like somebody has to fucking die because there's so many different story plots, but everyone's growing, growing. And they're like against like giving any small hints of someone dying. As, as soon as you think like, oh, this person's safe, something, they whap you in the face with something and they take <laughs> you away. They're, they're really good at surprise attacks. The, the, That's the Game of Thrones thing. style right yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I, I I just watched uh, the Jurassic World, uh, the last one, and there's such a big cast that you're like, oh god, someone one of the old ones is going to get killed. Like someone's someone's not going to make it. When ten of them are in line, you're like, oh god, someone's not coming home tonight. Someone has to die, right? <laughs> Jeremiah, go ahead. 
speaking of what you guys are talking about, like it's a big cast, right? Uh, but I think there's so much going on in this episode, and I like to talk about the other things that are happening in this episode. And I like to talk about the action sequence that happened at the Briar's house. That was probably one of the craziest directing style yes. of a of a single hand. I I kind of seen it before. But that was intense. That was incredibly directed. It came so and unexpected. I was like, holy shit. And that's, I think, Brandon, yeah, not only did it come unexpected, but it was this season has been, yeah. they've, they've pushed the horror, they've pushed the gore, they've pushed the scary, and now they've pushed an action sequence that seemed unconnected or disconnected from the flow of the show it's like these kids these kids are no longer in kansas this shit is real (laughs) the bullets are flying and and, you know people getting lit up people getting lit up up. yeah i'm like well our government is just fucking just unhaling bullets unleashing bullets (laughs) and and kudos to that agent he fucking took down like a whole squad dude yes i thought that guy was just like the most laziest cop and I was like, I holy shit. Thing, I, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh, this guy's like just, John uh, Wick. Like, what the fuck is he? <laughs> yeah. Like, this, guy, this guy is holding it down. This guy is holding it down. Give this guy a role. supposed to kill this dog. I mean, he, they, he was just Give this guy a role, dude. Give this guy a role. Like, waiting for him to get a you know, This is the first time. <laughs> this is the first time also where you get the friends and they all can't. They all can't. I mean, L can't really help, right? Like, everyone's separate. And there's like they don't know the true enemy. Like usually, you can the Demi Gordon, you can you know all the enemies you, you usually could see and fight. So this enemy is attacking a whole different way. This one's not like from the upside down. This is a different type of villain. It comes out yeah. of nowhere, dude. It, because like before that, you had that nice scene between Mike and uh, Will and Will, you know, just discussing about like you know having that moment together, you know, and just that whole feeling like sometimes. You know, we get caught up in the moment and we lose sight of our friends and whatnot. And it was a really beautiful moment about them with getting together. And then all of a sudden, this action sequence comes out of left field, right. literally left field. I mean, right. it was yes. done amazing. I'm just and, saying, and, dude. Like, and I yeah. will reiterate what you just said, Jeremiah, is the connectivity between Will and and uh, Mike, the, the the conversation they had. You're a, I don't know if it's the Duffer Brothers pushing it or if it's the actors like embracing it but these kids and i'm going to call them kids because we've watched them from when they were like literal children have gone from you know kid actors to actually legitimate wonderful like masters of their craft yeah i feel like noah schlapp or uh, i think that's how you say it the the the, he has like three or four scenes where you can feel the pain inside of him you can feel what's going it's on. It's like Harry Potter on steroids. It is. And and, and, and also you know also like Finn. Finn has a good couple of lines there too with his acting style. Like you, you got the idea of like, I'm just not good enough for L. Right. Like you get the yeah. feeling, like he know you get the feeling. I sometimes I felt that way with my wife. Like before when I was dating her, was like, Oh, she's gonna leave me sooner or later. Like she's she doesn't need me. But you get I like that like it, these actors and actresses have grown into so much beautiful young adult characters it's crazy i just like the the message behind like sometimes we lose we lose track of our friends and our families and sometimes it's just nice to have that opportunity that we can just be with each other and i just love that scene dude and it was like the, it was like the quiet before the storm before the whole fucking like you know it was john wick and shit like you said you know right so so another thing that I kind of wanted to push uh, uh talk about on the podcast. I don't want to talk about it very long because it's not that important, but um if you guys get a chance to go see the after Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, Finn is in that movie. Finn uh, whatever his last name is and you could see the growth Wolfhard. of him Wolfhard. You could see the growth of his acting skills so much and it was so wonderful to see him kind of be the heart when Noah has that wonderful speech about how Mike is the heart of the group, you know, you could kind of see the evolution of him as an actor. And it just really, it really is. It's like, we're all parents watching kids grow up. And I, I remember when I saw Lord of the Rings and seeing Sean Astin really act. And it's like, I remember him from Goonies. I remember him like, this is, you really felt his performance. And I feel like these kids are coming in at the same type of, of, I believe in Rudy. What are you talking about? I've actually never seen Rudy, yeah. so I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I know. You need to watch that. I know, I know, I know. Oh my God. Okay. So I do want to, I, we need to talk a little bit about, um, Hopper. And I mean, at this point in the season two, this is where Hopper starts to kind of have a little bit more of a front, front row seat to the action. And that's where we get Joyce. And, but this is where he finally gets that taste of freedom. And then, you know, obviously he gets brought back into, uh, losing that freedom. But, um, what, what, what were you guys' thoughts of just seeing Hopper and, and kind of having a little bit more focus on Hopper in this episode? I loved it. I love the escape. What's that one movie with um, uh, Steve McQueen? Great, oh, the escape. Great Escape. The Great Escape. It Great had that escape. vibe actually. I like the fact that they're actually focusing on Hopper, giving the grown-ups some also screen time, which I'm really enjoying the yes. shit of it because he's actually See, like you know he's laying it down there, man. And I will tell you this: I, what I like about this season and this this episode in particular is that they removed the parents from the children. And the parents are off, you know, doing their own shit and, and fighting in Russia. And they're, they're, you know, you know, Joyce and Murray and they're trying to, they're trying to do all this stuff, but it's not like they're ignoring their kids. They're, they're just trying to do something. They're just on a different mission. They're trying to say, they don't even know what the kids are going to do. They're trying to save their kids in their eyes. Right. right? right, right. So that scene though, Brandon, it reminds me of like, uh, it's going to sound stupid, but like, like a behind enemy lines status, like, you know, like like Hopper was just like. I mean, but now it's, you think about the movie, it's kind of funny. But at the time, it was kind of cool. Him almost like this, like he was like this double agent trying to get back home, and he's <laughs> he got brought back. And I loved it. Like I love the idea of Hopper doing whatever it takes to try to go back to his life, and he's breaking his own ankles and killing Russians <laughs> or. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, very uh, 80s right jump. there, man. Uh, and I'll add <laughs> yeah. I'll add something. I, I think I think it was last episode, Jeremiah, you and I talked about not necessarily liking the Russia storyline that much. I think this was the change in the Russia storyline that made it interesting and kind of fun. So all of a sudden it went from yeah, I agree with you. kind of mundane to, oh, shit, I actually am interested to see what happens with this next and see, step. Then they take it a little I bit too long. I felt that way with the right. California battle. I felt that way with the yeah, with the, gun scene. All, the, all of a sudden <laughs> California went from boring as shit to, oh fuck, like this was the oh, this was the change. Like Jeremiah said, this was the game-changing episode. It went from it went from disconnected characters to gelled characters toward a common goal. And I really do think that the cornerstone of that is learning about the truth behind the Creole family. And I think that's something, I mean, what'd you guys think about that? Right. So, I mean, I know that we, uh, we, we talk a lot of praise to the Duffer brothers, but I mean, I'm just going to keep heaping that praise on them. And, and also, you know, to the other <laughs> writers and directors of taking these episodes, but the way that they balance and show the backstory, the flashback, right? It's not just a flashback. It's, it's Creel telling the girls the story that they're going to then go and tell the group. And it's this idea of kind of the power of storytelling, which, um, from my understanding of, of D and D, that's what it is, is right. It's, it's, it's kind of, um, group storytelling. And then, you know, you got the, it is. And the way that we see it, right? Yeah. It comes off as just like, yeah, this is a haunted house and holy shit. Oh my God. But then when we get the flashback of the flashback, you know, in, in, um, episode seven, um, and then we get it again in eight and nine, I think that, that we can't just like pass over the quality of, of story pacing in this episode, which then I think just continues to, to shine throughout the rest of the season. One of the things that this sh- we've said before in 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 as this review progresses is that the quality of the reveals have been steady and and kind of they they haven't waited they've just given it to you it's almost like it's almost like a D and D game you we're, we're just rolling the dice yes. and the shit's coming out and we don't have to wait for it. I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to wait eight episodes to find out what happened to the Creole house. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're going to find out right now. And by the way, everything you think you know that, that he's going to tell you is actually not what's happening. But it's something there's another layer to it and another layer to it. Jeremiah, go ahead. Oh, I actually want to ask you guys a question since we're going to get to the end of the episode. Um, what will be your song to save you from Vecna? I'm kind of curious to hear all your guys' songs, choices. Offspring, the kids aren't all right. Good choice, bro. I knew that was going to be yours, by the way. Mine would either would probably be like Bittersweet Symphony. I mean, truth be told. Oh, that's a good one. Good. <laughs> solid. That's a good Cheer, one. You're gonna have, that's solid. really good. Cheer, you're going to have to give me yours first because my, my favorite songs are super slow and sad, and Beckna <laughs> would definitely eat me up by then. 
Uh, <laughs> he would look. You know what? Look at you like you want to die. So like, emo. You know, what's going on uh, here? I, no, I do. I do have it. I do have it. I, I think. Um, I think honestly, it sounds weird, but um, that maybe it doesn't sound weird. But kind of going off of the the punk rock uh, vibe that Eddie throws down, I would go "Sorrow" by Bad Religion. I think that that song is just. Uh, it's again, it's not not like a cranking song, but holy shit, that song gets me. That song's every dope. Time. That song's yeah. dope. To your question, yeah. Brandon, my song would probably be uh, um, "Don't You Forget About Me." That's like my absolute, oh. absolutely one of my favorite songs of all time. So interesting. So, so okay, I, I, I know we've we've yeah, talked man. about the song a lot, but I I I think that this this scene of her running up br- that hill, kind of kind of breaking free of Vecna, I felt like it did three things number one it solidified her relationship with the group she was an outsider she she's kind of an and orphan. with us as viewers she, and with us as viewers but she definitely like like had a moment where where she accepted the fact that she could be loved by her her friend group and i think that was big mm-hmm. number two is i think it allowed her to give or to say goodbye to billy it to say you know I understand. I, I I might have wanted you to die. I know you're a piece of shit, but I still loved you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna move on past you. But the third thing is, yeah. I think it it showed her that she could stand up to bullies. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I got this overarching feeling from this season, and and really the show is that bullies exist. And that this is like kids triumphing over bullies. It's not just about like fantasy and D&D. It's about standing up for yourself and, and being confident in who you are. And I think that for Max as a character, I think that was really important Lucas for, for me to show. And Lucas at I all. Mean, there's them, monsters yeah, yeah. out there. There's, there's yeah. real monsters out there. And, you know, yeah. and I think that the ending, I mean, it's it spoke so much to me, man. Like the, the theme of for what I got is like music is what saves us. Our friends is yeah. what save us. Our memories is what save us most of all. And the ability to fight and survive, I mean, that's what you got at the end of this episode is this raw, you know, just finding the strength to actually come about, you know, and finding your heart. And it was just so fucking emotional, you know? I have to say, the ending is probably has to be one of the best scenes of all time in the series. And I know that's pretty bold to state that, but I haven't seen something like that in a, since like what the battles of the bastards of uh, game of Thrones. It was that fucking good, man. And Kate Bush, it's just one of those songs. When you think about it, it's like the biggest song in the world. This the small. It's on 102.7. It now. is. It's on. <laughs> Yeah, Kiss FM now. I, 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 it's was so funny because you were talking about this song the other day. Like, you know, I never heard this song. This was one of those private songs that you don't hear from the '80s. It's like one of those unrated gems, you know. And now it's the biggest song in the fucking world. And it's so crazy that so many people just took that song in. <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, so I might have missed this, and so correct me if I'm uh, an idiot here, but what is the connection uh, between the four different victims? Why did Vecna pick these four? I know, I know the easy answer is, well, they all were dealing with inner shit, but ultimately, isn't everybody dealing with inner shit? So what is the thing, what's the, the reason that these four got picked, that, that Max was singled out over anybody else in this town? What do you think? I think, uh, well, you know, we, I mean, it, we find out down the road, of that he's from Hawkins, right? Right. Um, but I also think he. Okay, so bear with me. I think he has more connection to uh, this group of friends without besides L. I do think I don't know if it's my. I think who said it to me? I think somebody sent it to me. But Mike's mom possibly could be Vetner's sister. Yeah, no, Krill, not a chance. Krill's sister, because we just assumed that she died. But there or is out there. The other thing, I was, no, no. It's out there. Oh, I know. It it's, oh, no, there. I know it's out there. But that I just she could so. be the sister. But I also was saying that I think it's the school counselor is somehow she's connected to it. And she's like offering up victims to save her own life. Who are like, that make lamb. this sacrifice. Yeah, like sacrifices the light. It's like some craft shit going yeah. on. Go. Let's see your theory, Jeremiah. Oh, my theory? He preys on the weak and he preys on the people that, you know, are just like are alone and they give up and they don't know how to fight and everything like that. And that's what he's doing. These four victims right here, other than, you know, you see all Max, he, she was able to fight him in the end. But the rest of them, there was something about them that they were just so vulnerable that he was able to take them just like Freddy Cougar and everything like that. That's what I saw with the yeah. connection is all for them. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say that it's, it's partly or, or mostly what Jeremiah said, and also their proximity to the gates. 
uh, the gates that he's opening up to to kind of take over the you know the above between I don't know how you call it, the the real world. Um, I, I think that they are within reaching distance of the gates. Um, the gate, if you look at it, they were all attacked within literally. Well, the three victims were attacked within you know twenty feet of the freaking trailer. And then the one in the next episode was over the gate in the water. So to, I think it's proximity is part of it. Interesting. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah, let's go back to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Your question. So, so I the thing that was, was constantly in my head, two things, was the counselor, number one. Um, and number two, it was that these were strategic places for the the gates to open and you know to to bring hawkins down um but that 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 thing gets me thinking and we're wondering because you know he doesn't necessarily he kill he waits until they're in a specific place and kills them how did he know that dweeby little fred would be at the uh the trailer park and then go off and and go to that that street so i think that there is something Another connection that maybe we're going to find out in season five. I kind of hope so because it just seems a I mean, little bit why random. Four? To me. Why four victims? Like, right? Yeah. Why yeah. four victims? Because that's those are the four family members that were there. I mean, who who knows? There's so much. There's something there. symbolism. Yeah. There's so. I mean, there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's probably even more biblical than that. Like the four horsemen or something like. I did that. think you know, that too. Four yeah. sacrifices or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a good one. And that brings us to the end of review. Now it's time on the podcast where each of the hosts provides a score on the following scale. Eddie, can you provide the scale, please? Oh my god, I wasn't ready, but I can remember this. Uh, the perfect episode, you don't need shit to enjoy it. That's a zero. Uh, one, uh, filled your first hot tail. Two, a happy buzz. Do I even need to keep going? Or yeah, we all we're know probably we're good at this point. Uh, okay, three, you're an Uber lifting home. Four, <laughs> we're off morning watch of shame. Five, blacked out shit face, spring break drunk. Gentlemen, let's start with myself. I haven't gone first out of uh, the, Dungeon Master. these episodes yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Dungeon Master, Eddie, I was, you know, so this, I think everyone has said everything perfectly explaining this episode. Uh, this is an episode that is holds dear to my heart of TV shows with episodes. Um, this, when I, when I'm thinking of Stranger Things, this is the episode that I like to remember Stranger Things of. Uh, one of the better episodes in season four. I think it's definitely, I mean, compared with the I, I, that last episode, nine is like a movie and we have episode seven, but this one's up there, in the, easily up there. Um, and awesome. It just brought so many different aspects in this movie. The music, like Jeremy says, is this, you know, there's connection to music with our life. I think that there's a lot to be said there. Um, and just friendships, you know, it weighs, weighs a lot if they can bring you back to reality and they can always be there when you need them there's so many different points in this show that i just love um i'm gonna go ahead and probably give this score a little bit better than i usually give but um going for it ed just do it ed. going for it ed <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, do those exist do those exist <laughs> I, I've only given out one other zero. <laughs> this show, I, I, I Empire like. Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, the crowd's going zero. crazy. Oh, God. oh man, Brandon, go ahead and give us yours. Uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back doesn't get zero as a movie, no. but as a show, it's a fucking zero, bro. Oh man. All right, so Brandon, the, Brandon take the, us through your review. Yeah, so I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it quick. Um, that this is is in the top three episodes of the season, and this season is is damn freaking good for this one. I uh, I loved it. I think it was absolutely amazing. I thought it was pretty damn well perfect. The reason I'm not going to give it a zero is because I'm going to give two more zeros coming up at least. Um, and I don't think that this episode <laughs> was as was as that. good and dynamic as seven and nine. But again, as we've said the last couple episodes, is that it's all incrementally. It's a stepping stone process, and it's working our way towards seven and nine. And so for that, I would love to give it a, a zero. Do I think this is a perfect perfect episode? I think it's pretty damn fucking close. And so I'm going to give this a point zero eight. <laughs> a point zero eight. Jerry, that's all you, man. 
Jeremiah, you want me to go or you want me to go? I'll, I'll, I'll go. A point zero. What? A zero what, point what zero like eight. A, I, that's like I had. I had a sip of the salt. Like, fucking lick. That's like a lick the waitress, out of a fucking cup. It's like the waitress fell, <laughs> and then the shot glass bounced yeah. on the floor. I got a little on my upper lip. Yep. Like upper lip, and then but you didn't take the whole drop into your mouth. You just like reached up the tip of your tongue and got just the bit of the like the bit yep. of the drip. Yep, yeah. that's it. It's called a triplet. <laughs> Jeremiah, go ahead. I like that. So I said at the beginning of this episode that I felt like this this episode four was a game changer uh, for me. This episode had everything. I mean, it was legendary when you think about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but. The whole backstory, the vision, the crazy shootout. I mean, Hopper's escape, a Max fight to survive. I mean, it was everything that you wanted in an episode. It was emotional. You know, it all came together perfectly. And for me, I just it just made me knew that the season four was on its way becoming like the best season of the series. So this is an easy zero for me, guys. I I thought this was fucking great. Mm It's fucking great, man. This is going to be one of the best yeah. series ever, man. If I started Stranger Things on episode four, I'll be okay. I'd start fucking so, here and just move on. But one, two, and three are badass, too. I'm so let's ignore the John Wick uh, gunfight. Let's ignore Hopper's escape from Russia. Let's ignore uh, the running up the hill escape that Max had. Let's ignore the Creole family history and the wonderful... Uh, setup of the villain and let's focus on three conversations that max had the the conversation with lucas where he said he doesn't need a letter from you because he wants to talk to max he wants to actually hear what she has to say and not have it in the letter the conversation we didn't even talk about with max and her mom which was the most devastatingly wonderful little 40 seconds in 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 the episode and then finally you have the conversation between all the kids when they're trying to get Max's music out, trying to figure out her favorite song, that interaction right there that they, they figured out what saved her, or what was the antidote to her, to her poison. Let's just call it those three moments rising right, up, right? Oh those three moments alone make this episode a zero. But you've also Add to got that the Billy's. five or six other events. You've also got Billy's letter. Yeah. So I'm saying, yeah, so uh, oh yeah not yeah and billy's letter for fuck's sake the i mean this episode gave you everything you ever wanted from Stranger i'm really Things. sorry i gave it and for score. brandon you not to give it a zero i'm so upset with you yeah because guess i what? know guess what he's the more than one episode can have a fucking zero you stupid dumb shit so this episode is a zero Sounds... i'm sorry wow brandon when you combine Sounds the scores and divide by four what does the uh yeah what does it give us the average rating of there there i can't and, fucking believe this this is sickening well, let me see i got a zero jeremy got a zero sean got a zero and brandon fucking had sick that me. little driplet in right there uh, but it's a 0.02. <laughs> that is 0. so 0. pissing 0. me off right there. That's and so close for that- fucking zero. We've <laughs> never had this in my life. It's just like, can we just That's round it? We're going to have, have a perfect. We're going to have a perfect. And you know damn well we are. You realize the planets never line up with us? We have this two more episodes that will happen. The you odds of me it. giving the odds of me the odds of me giving another zero is really you're hard. To look at me yeah. right now and say seven and nine oh are not zeros. God. Those are fucking perfect, perfect stories, bro. Everything Sean just said, we didn't even talk about everything that Sean just said the past. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> like this, this Sean, this episode had so yeah. much. It was. Like, I mean, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, sorry. Uh, if you enjoyed our review uh, or a fan of the podcast, despite Brandon's Point terrible zero two. Uh, score, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram at the.gentlemanpodcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website, gentlemanpodcast.com. Or if you want to, you can reach out to us by email and tell us how bad Brandon is at hosts with an S-H-O-S-T-S at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. And, uh, I'll be the bringing you another episode shortly <laughs> very shortly like seriously even like one two three four five